people in this world put on an amazing show and doctors have a front row seat. Welcome to the Nurse Surgery Podcast. I'm Mike Wang, and I'm here with my co-host, J.P. Colson. We are here to discuss all things neurosurgical. Hi, this is J.P. Colson, a resident in neurosurgery at Rush University. Please note that this is not a CME event, and the opinions and statements made in this podcast do not reflect those of any institution or professional organization. Now, let's get started. Today on the Neurosurgery Podcast, I am absolutely delighted to be joined by Dr. Bill Caldwell. Bill Caldwell is um, literally a legend where I trained at USC, which has one of the largest county uh, and trauma facilities in the Western Hemisphere. Bill Caldwell uh, was many years ahead of me, so I never overlapped with him. But there are so many stories about him in the ICU uh, from the senior residents above me. And, uh, and he really was there at a, at a magnificent time as a young attending as well with uh, Taka Fukushima and Corey Raffle, and of course, Mike Apuzo, Steve Giannata, and Marty Weiss. So he, he, is, uh, he is really a, a fantastic individual. He's currently the chair at the University of Utah. So welcome to the podcast, Bill. Great to be here, Mike. It's really an honor. So like all our guests, we could talk to you about just about any topic. And, uh, and I know that you are, uh, your surgical skills are, are um, unsurpassed, and we could talk about all manner of, of the specific pathologies. But we kind of wanted to, to get into a different area, which I think is not unimportant, which is this concept of the role that major uh, trauma centers or tertiary care centers or county hospitals play in our field. So, so JP, maybe, maybe expound on that a little bit because you're in training now, right? You're at one of the biggest um, trauma centers or county centers in the country, right? Right. Um, you know, here at Rush, we rotate through covering Cook County, now called uh, Stroger County Hospital in Chicago. And of course, when I was a medical student down there in Miami with you, Dr. Wang, we were predominantly based out of uh, Jackson Memorial Hospital, the uh, county hospital in Miami where you still practice. And so kind of how we were talking before, when I uh, got here and I was experiencing my time at Cook County now as a resident instead of a medical student, and that whole new perspective where now you're responsible for these patients who come in, and like anyone who set foot in a county hospital, I was struggling and dealing with that difference of environment compared to private hospitals or other sorts of centers. Um, There were nights where I was, as I said, struggling with it and, you know, trying to come to terms with uh, that environment when you're trying to be efficient, you're trying to be effective as a neurosurgery intern. And uh, to his credit, my co-resident, Brad Cole, the stand-up guy from Michigan, he uh, sat me down one night and he said, you know, when I was on the interview trail and I went out to Utah, I talked to Dr. Bill Caldwell. And when I went in the room to speak with him, the first words out of his mouth were talking about his time at USC and his time working at the county hospital there and how formative it was for his training and his education. And, you know, he passed on some of those lessons to me and kind of helped me reorient myself and and find a new appreciation for the experience that we get training in a county environment. Sure. Uh, Well, well, thanks, JP. Um, Yeah, I think it was a a very formative time uh, for me. And it was a tremendous experience being um, at L.A. County during training uh, because 
it obviously was the major safety net hospital. And uh, this was in the 80s. And of course, trauma rates were much higher back then. So there was a lot of trauma and uh, a lot of uh, care of, of underinsured patients. And the residents at that time had a tremendous amount of uh, autonomy. And uh, so you got an early experience in the operating room um, with the terrific chief residents uh, supervising you and uh, a tremendous experience both in management of patients, both outpatient management and, and, and inpatient and uh, emergency care. I will tell you, I think one of the um, one of the shortcomings of residency training right now is that we don't have enough continuity of care experience in our training and the residents aren't spending enough time in clinic. And um, the, the uh, safety net hospitals provide a great opportunity for that because um, the resident is really the primary caregiver uh, for a lot of the daily care going on. It's obviously supervised by more senior people, uh, but it provides more of an experience where the buck stops at you. And uh, so I think it allows uh, earlier maturation of the resident in their training. Um, and so I do think that we're all struggling with, uh, with you know, work hours and, and schedules and that type of thing uh, for residents right now. But um, that type of environment really filled in a lot of gaps for me. And, uh, and also, <laughs> you know, ironically, it, it offers you the experience of having to really understand how the hospital works and uh, doing a lot of the legwork that is taken for granted when you work at a private hospital. Um, and so I think it gives you a, an appreciation of the mechanics of the hospital, how the ORs work, um, you know, and labs and imaging and uh, something that I think a lot of uh, people take for granted who've never experienced that. Yeah, you know, it's very interesting. I got an email through the our, our email, by the way, which is neurosurgerypodcast at gmail.com from a young uh, man who, had, who was applying to medical school and actually got into several medical schools. And he, he asked me and JP about uh, um, some advice on which school he should go to. And one of the schools he got into is that new Kaiser Permanente Medical School. Have you heard of it, Bill, in L.A.? Yes. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, right? So Kaiser's one of the biggest HMOs in the world, and now they have a medical school. Of course, they don't run trauma centers, so so to speak. And it made me think about it. So I, I actually called one of my colleagues and, and um, that, you know, general surgeons, I guess, there's a lot of programs that aren't involved in these big centers. Some of them are just at um, sort of smaller, maybe maybe community hospitals, right? And you never really go anywhere big. For those out there thinking about this, do you think that if you were to train in a program, and I don't know that a neurosurgery program like this truly exists yet, that is really more boutique, that doesn't have that big tertiary care, county hospital-esque feel, do you think you will miss out maybe on some of the, the culture or some of the pathology or some of the elements of training that, that you had? Yes, I, I think that is an important fact. I think it's an important um element in all of training. Um, I, my son is a medical student down at uh, Tulane and they use the charity hospital. And I think that's a terrific environment. It's like LA County, even in medical school. Um, and I think Cook County, um, you know, Grady, 
I mean, there's a number of these major uh, big uh, public hospitals around the country. And the pathology, as you know, Mike, that we saw at LA County was amazing because it's often late stage disease. And I think that translates into all of medicine and especially neurosurgery. So I do think it broadens your horizon. And I, I think it gives you uh, a, a better perspective on the, um, the whole gamut of, of healthcare and the challenges of, of, of treating patients with neurosurgical disease across socioeconomic spectrum. Um, so I think it's a terrific background uh, to spend some of your time, at least in training, um, at one of those uh, centers, you know. And so I, I think it's enormously beneficial. And <clears throat> we try to emulate that here in Utah because we have a, a state uh, university hospital uh, which we take all comers. And um, so there's a there's a, a complete spectrum of socioeconomic status that comes into the hospital um, that we include. And I think that it's important for the residents to experience this, um, both from the spectrum of disease and the spectrum of the challenges of managing these patients in a low socioeconomic status environment. You know, that's so true. And your point is well taken um, from before about clinic visits. Um, during my intern year, the clinic visits that we have at Cook County are, are the only clinic experiences we have. And it, it is very gratifying to see someone from start to finish, the very first time they meet your department, to their time inpatient, to their first post-operative visit in the clinic, and really see that holistic um, A to B to C uh, experience that the patient has in their journey through their neurosurgical experience. Um, but you know, ha having discussed the training aspect of the county hospital or the state hospital experience, what do you think is the level of obligation or perhaps responsibility that you know, we as neurosurgeons have once in practice, um, you know, most students in the United States who go to medical school often have some sort of government support, both financially and in terms of uh, endowments to the institutions where they work. Um, as we've discussed, residencies are often run and benefit greatly from uh, county or state programs. Do you think that practicing neurosurgeons have some degree of responsibility to work in these public sectors? Yes, yes and no. I do think that um, I think people sort of decide what they want to do when they go off into practice. And um, and some people obviously uh, don't want to associate themselves uh, with a teaching facility like that uh, down the line. I do think that, that we're blessed in neurosurgery with the quality of people that we attract. And we do have a, a core group of people that are really committed um, to the betterment of the specialty and to, to care and to social responsibility. And, and they do spend a, a lot of time. Some of the, my friends uh, are, are on voluntary staff at, at these facilities and they, and they cover clinics and that type of thing. And uh, so I do think we've got a number of people that understand that mission and that realize the value of spending time and giving back um, to these systems and uh, and do and do routinely uh, in in a, around the around the world, in fact. Um, and so I I do think we're blessed in our specialty. We got and in addition, I think they enjoy it because of the fact that they, they get to spend time with the trainees, who are fantastic people, and also 
um, the pathology that's seen in those institutions is often much broader and much more interesting than in a referral sort of private practice environment that's not affiliated with a, a trauma or, or a uh, safety net hospital. Yeah, that's a good point. And I just remember seeing the, the patients, as you might remember, Dr. Caldwell, from coming from Mexico, crossing the border with these absolutely giant brain tumors, right? I mean, what do you, what's the biggest brain tumor you ever saw, right? Was I mean, at, at County Hospital, it must have been enormous, right? Yeah, it's, it's dramatic. And we still, um, you know, I'm sure, Mike, you can remember back from your training, you see these amazing cases. Um, and uh, so it's fun. It's entertaining. And uh, I, I, I must admit, I mean, we're blessed as neurosurgeons even as a senior neurosurgeon now, I, I, I'm still inspired and challenged by all the terrific cases that walk in through the front door. And uh, it's especially evident in these types of hospitals where you're a safety net hospital. So um, it does, you know, the, the system gives back to you over time as well. And I have many friends that are successful in other businesses and run their own business and other specialties, but we in neurosurgery are very blessed in that uh, we're challenged on a daily basis and <laughs> and humbled on a daily basis by the cases that we take care of. And I remind our residents of that every day. You know? That's a that's a great message about it giving to you and you giving it to it. And and I I'm just thinking back to the cases of the meningiomas where you saw it eroding through the through the skull to where you could see it externally. You didn't need a CAT scan or MRI to know that there's something wrong. And really impressive type of stuff that if I, like, if, if you didn't see that in training and your, fir your first, your first encounter was as like a eight year out attending or something like that, or associate professor, boy, boy, maybe you would feel a little bit humbled by seeing that. But having seen it as an intern or as a PGY2, it, it, it puts it in perspective. It also makes us thankful for the, the modern health systems we have in most of America, right? That is, is really fantastic. So along those lines, when you look at this great, uh, if you will, gift or opportunity of being able to help people in the most dire of circumstances, you're going to run into a lot of maybe some of your trainees who are finishing their training and, and starting their job. And, and it seems like there's a, there are a lot of people now that seem afraid of it. They're like, you know, I don't want to work at a place like that because of, of various reasons, X, Y, and Z, right? Do you have any message for those folks who are maybe, maybe because they're worried that there won't be enough coverage or too many cases? What, what kind of message do you tell people who come to you for advice on something like that? Yeah, I, I think, um, so I, I think they're, they're looking at it as the pain of working in that environment or the stress or the challenge and um, they may want to avoid some of that if they can. And I, and I appreciate that. But I will tell you, I was in private practice uh, for a brief period of time uh, in my, the younger part of my career. And one of the things that dropped me, brought me back, in fact, to an academic practice was the ability to be able to take care of uh, challenging problems and great, interesting cases and be involved with the trainees. And I think that's where the blessing is. And it relates to the last comment that I made that I think you realize what a great, what a great life this is, the more senior you get. 
when you uh, take pride in the cases that you've done. I mean, I, I must admit, I, I get Christmas cards from people, you know, they'll, they'll say, I hope you're well, you, you know, you saved my life with an aneurysm, you know, 20 years ago kind of thing. And you haven't thought about them. And that's a, it's a real blessing. And, um, and also that you can still get challenged and come to work and have these formidable cases that you're dealing with in these, uh, in these hospital facilities and training facilities. And um, I just don't see my, my friends in, in general practice as challenged that way. And so for some of us, it's been a sustaining element. And, uh, and I, that's just a personal reflection. There's so many great things that happen in that environment. I have a painting, a Diego Rivera copy from a patient that gave it to me when I was at the county. And um, I was in the LA Times a couple of times because there was a gangster that had survived three independent uh, gunshot wounds to the head. And I took care of him on two of those occasions. And I'll never forget Dan LeMay. You remember Dan LeMay? He, uh, he, he, was, he saved some kid's life. And funny enough, uh, the guy brought him out to the parking lot and opened up the trunk of his car and there were a bunch of guns in there. He said, you know, you can take whatever you want, Doc, because we live in a, in, a, in a dangerous neighborhood, right? And, you know, like these little stories of, of I don't want, it's not just gratitude. It's just uh, the, um, the, 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 no, the novelty of human life. It, it really, I mean, it, it's so much more riveting sometimes, than the, as you said, the elective uh, outpatient, uh, and even let's just say it insured practice, right? Like there's something about it that makes, that really, really makes you appreciate being a neurosurgeon. Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's summed up by the statement that people in this world put on an amazing show and doctors have a front row seat. And <laughs> I think that kind of summarizes that whole experience at, at the county hospital that I have. Wow. Well, Dr. Caldwell, I mean, perhaps uh, in a brief follow-up message to those people going out into the field that, that we just addressed who might be on the fence about where they're going to take a job and have concerns about working in that kind of environment. Um, maybe describe, if you could, the hospital there in Utah. Um, from what you said before, it, it's a it's mixed where it's a state hospital, but there are also private patients. How does that system work and, and how do those two populations kind of intersect? Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's sort of seamless here. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I, I spoke um, to uh, Gabe Zada today to see how they staff the county hospital currently in Los Angeles because it was it had fairly sparse attending coverage uh, when I was training there, but it's much more structured. And it sounds like it's very similar to the way that we do it here now. Whereas, you know, the, the residents have a clinic um, and... Um, we do prisoner clinics and that type of thing as well. Mm-hmm. And the residents are first line uh, with that. And um, and then we do obviously trauma. We all take trauma call and I take uh, trauma call, I take vascular call all the time and, and we take care of all the patients. And so once they get in the doors of the hospital, we don't see much of a difference at all. It's really just the, the outpatient management that can be stratified based on socioeconomic and, and insurance status. But once they enter the hospital, patients are really treated um, equivalently. And we don't, uh, we don't, I don't perceive any difference at all. And in um, our ICU, obviously we have a big ICU uh, that's, that's mixed with the patients. And so there's uniformity of practice across the entire system. And um, 
So um, we try to do that and we, we try to completely um, give everybody the best evidence-based care that we can, uh, you know, uh, th- across the whole system. You know, Dr. Caldwell, another interesting um, aspect of my experience in county hospitals, both in Florida and here in Illinois, you know, we, we've talked extensively about the patient population, but um, occasionally there, there's also a different culture and a different personality to some of the staff in these hospitals um, who, you know, much like the neurosurgeons we talked about who are worried about working in this kind of environment and maybe shy away from it, uh, you're interacting with people who, um, you know, perhaps would rather be in a different environment themselves. And w- what were your experiences like in your county days dealing with um, some uh, staff or physicians from other specialties who weren't ready to move at the pace that you needed to move for your patients um, and maybe didn't appreciate the acuity of neurosurgical disease coming from their own background? Yeah, I, I, uh, I understand the question you're asking. So it's interesting because when, when you were training at the county hospital, you took matters into your own hands. So I remember um, wheeling the patient down to the scanner myself all the time, taking the patient to the OR and pushing within the, the most effective means of trying to advocate for patient care if, if there was any obstruction. So, and I don't recall, I mean, we were so used to trauma. I don't recall many impediments when the patient was really sick and needed to have something done. Everybody got on board. And I think a lot of people, I, I was thinking, Mike, about the culture of the nurses in our ICU there. Um, they were fantastic people and they were all advocates and they were all there for the right reasons. And um, they were terrific. Uh, so I must admit that hasn't been a negative for me at all. And I th- think the people that choose to spend their careers in these teaching hospitals like that um, uh, really develop that attitude that that the, the impediments that you have for some of those things that you don't get the concierge type care that you might get in a private hospital from the doctor's standpoint would, is much outweighed by the, by the teaching value and the interesting cases and the interesting personalities mm-hmm. that you're dealing with in the system. I, I, I remember Jim Keene, who was a senior neuro-ophthalmologist at, at uh, LA County. And I was like a resident at the time. And he was quite a well-known neuro-ophthalmologist and he would be on the wards at like seven and eight at night looking at all these weird cases and would like come over and tell me about them. And I was fascinated by that. Here was a man that was, was really sustained by all the interesting pathology coming through the door and recognized the value in that. Yeah. And shout out to all the great nurses. It is uh, nurses week. I think this week we're recording, but uh, Josette and Sharon Garrels and Kathy Delahante and son, you remember all the names and all yeah. the good times in, in the fifth floor of the County hospital. So, well, Dr. Caldwell, all your insight has been invaluable to us. Uh, I just wanted to sort of highlight again, some of our previous episodes, like Adam Arthur's talking about the value to society of taking stroke calls and endovascular surgeon, David Aquanco about the value of doing trauma call as a traumatologist, and all these issues of, of our, our responsibility to the public, to the public health, and, and to do the right thing. And, and I, I, we just had Dan Barrow on, and, and I love Dan. People who know me know that I'm pretty conservative. And you know, one of the things I, I, I believe truly in is this, this concept of personal responsibility. And we as, and we as neurosurgeons 
you know, all these things happen with healthcare, with with Obamacare, and maybe the next wave of uh, of healthcare reform or Medicare for all. But the thing about it is, wherever I go, ninety nine percent of neurosurgeons do what's right for the patient, right? And uh, it doesn't matter time of day or you know whether you're with your family or whatever. Uh, that's that's something I'm very proud of. I hope never changes, and I think those ideas are crystallized in the in the public setting. So thank you for your wonderful message. No problem. We're blessed with the people we attract in our specialty. We're really blessed.